Where are you downplaying your strengths and experience right now? How could you put them to use to create new career opportunity? Have you ever thought about starting a side business, moving into a new job or career, or even just completing a bucket list item such as writing a book? Well, by the time we get to midlife, we often have far more skills, resources, and connections than we realize. You know, we're often told, we often think that it's a young person's world, but that overlooks the huge advantages available to us in midlife. Welcome to Midlife Mastery. I'm Brock Edwards, and this is a show for 50 and 60-somethings looking for ideas, information, inspiration for creating that phenomenal midlife and beyond. And today's guest is Terry Sweet, and although he's created music for advertisements over the past 50 years and played in various bands along the way, he never recorded and released an album of his own music. And the pandemic created a downturn in the advertising business that really gave him that, that opportunity to write and record. But just because he had the skills and the time doesn't mean that it was easy. Terry shares a bit about his inspiration, staying focused, what it means to be a freight train, at least what it means to him and, and how he used that as a mantra to keep going, and taking on the doubt monster, which is, is kind of a fun phrase, and I think we can all relate to it. Now, be sure to listen all the way to the end to hear his song, Skimpy Bikinis and Vodka Martinis, from the album Listen to the Bars. And if you're inspired by taking on new challenges, be sure to listen to the recent episodes as seen on YouTube with Tad Stahl and Climbing Midlife's Mountains with Jackie and Rayho. Both phenomenal episodes. Ready to play bigger? Let's get started. All right, so we have Terry Sweet with us today, and if you, I mean, if you look at the job description, or at least what, what's on your website, Terry, you are a music composer, lyricist, arranger, conductor, and producer, so that's, well, that's a lot, and, and yeah. you are about to, on top of that, become a musician, you're about to put out your first album. That's right. What didn't we cover there in that introduction for you? Well, I've spent my entire career starting at about age 20 to now. So that's 50 years. I've spent it all in the jingle business. And so I've been writing commercial music for radio and TV commercials, every kind of advertiser you can imagine, you know, from cars to pizzas, to any, anything, bicycles, you know, and I've done that the whole time, which really taught me a lot about composing, how to structure music very concisely, being very aware of, of song structure, how to arrange music for various instruments, strings and brass and woodwinds and percussion, and not to mention the typical rhythm section, guitar, bass, drums, piano, singers, all that kind of stuff. And so I really, over the years, honed those skills. And, you know, I thought about doing an album from time to time, but I was busy. It's, it's been a busy career. And, you know, it's, you know, people ever go, well, don't you just write songs for yourself sometimes? And I go, you know, I do this all day long. And about the last thing I want to do after dinner is go back and write some more music. I've been, you know, I've had it. And so that would be the thing, I guess, you know, my story is really a story of being in the jingle business. And so what happened later on that business has kind of died out. There's really not as much of that any anymore. And then COVID hit and that really took it down because there was so little advertising going on. So many businesses were closed and nobody was doing high-end advertising. 
And so I found myself, my brain didn't stop. And so since I didn't have a client to write for, I just kept writing anyway. So, all right, lots of questions here for you, Terry. And yeah, yeah, I want to get to the idea of you've made it this far in life and kind of taking on that new challenge of releasing an album, because I'm guessing that writing songs from an album, it seems like that'd be different than writing songs for Mm -hmm. commercial jingles. Writing jingles, it's got to be short. And I I just remember an old quote from Mark Twain, and I'll I'll mess it up a little bit, but paraphrased, it was, you know, if you you want a 3,600-word article, you can have it tomorrow. And if you want a 900-word article, it'll be two weeks. (laughs) You know, getting, getting clear, getting concise, getting it down to something short is much, much more difficult in many ways than just being able to, to flow. So it is, you're right. It's your, that's a very good observation. Really writing jingles is different than writing songs. And, and while, while my head was in the writing jingles space, I I almost couldn't write songs because it's just a, it's a different thing. you got to get out of that. But the COVID thing, let me get out of it (laughs) for the first time in all those years. And so I started, I, I started almost by accident. I had a death of somebody very close to me about four years ago. And I kind of did emotionally just sort of went in the tank for about a year and a half. And, you know, what I was doing is I was, uh, you know, binge watching Netflix and I was, I was one of those guys that'd be two in the morning. I'd go just just one more episode. I'll just watch the next 15 minutes of the next episode, you know, and then it's four o'clock in the morning. So anyway, I, you know, I was watching this show about being in prison and all that. And, and they, they asked this prisoner, you know, what's it like to, you know, just be sitting there alone all the time. And, and he said something like, I just listened to the bars. And I went, what an interesting thing to say. I don't even know what he means by that. But I got up and I went into my studio and I wrote a song called Listen to the Bars, which is on this album. And what's what I did is that night in the middle of the night, and I sounded low and scratchy and probably a little out of tune and whatever. But I I sang a demo of it that night and I kept that vocal and that vocal is on the album because it was just it was so raw mm-hmm. and and I thought, you know, that's part of this song. That's what this is about. It's about feeling raw. So if your vocal sounds raw, then then that's right. And so that sat there for a while. So then COVID happened and I I wrote another song, wrote another song. And after I had three or four of them, I thought to myself, you know, if you keep going, you could make an entire album here. And the funny thing is, is I mentioned that to a couple of people and I didn't get a good reaction. It wasn't that they didn't think I could do it, but it was what for, you know, to, to what end, you know, people do that. It never goes anywhere. They just, you know, I was getting this attitude and I found that very disappointing and, and it annoyed me. And so I developed this little metaphor that I used for myself. And I said, you know what, you've got to be a freight train. Because a freight train just keeps going. People can throw apples at it and it just bounces off. They can throw anything they want at you. That freight train's going to keep going. It's not even going to look back. And I went, that's what I have to be. 
be a freight train. I love the mantra. And I, I think a lot of people experience this, you know, especially midlife when they're talking about taking on new challenges, changing, changing careers, you know, leaving a job to become an entrepreneur, whatever it is, because, you know, in many ways I, I see parallels there. Like you sort of left a job to become an entrepreneur, you know, that wasn't mm-hmm. your, your day gig, it wasn't right. what fed you. But it also, at least from the outside, seems so close that I'm wondering about the reaction that other people had. Mm-hmm. Like, did you ever get a sense for why there was a strong reaction? I could only speculate. I didn't, I didn't know, but there were some people that went, yeah, go man. You know, there were some people that did that, Yeah, but you know, there was just enough negativity that, that it, it spawned that, that freight train thought. And, and I just kept going. And, you know, one of the beauties about having been in the jingle business all these years is for example, I would do most of my recording in Nashville. I do some in Chicago, but I do most of it in Nashville and so I've gotten to know all the A players and singers and studios and engineers. And I, I know all those people because I work with them regularly. And so it was no different really to hire them for doing this than hire them to do a, you know, a commercial for somebody. And so, you know, I was able to bring in really top-notch people to, to breathe life into my songs. That's, that's really cool, Terry. And, you know, that continues kind of that parallel with this idea of entrepreneurship in, in midlife. And in that, one of the things I, I've been told, guests have told me, is that actually entrepreneur, older entrepreneurs tend to do well because of their network. They, you know, yeah. they've got the skills developed, they've got the people skills developed and the technical skills, and they've got the connections to know how to piece it all together and how to... <laughs> get everyone together in ways that someone who's 20 and 25, 30 does not. I think that's Um, right. Yeah. And so, so I love that you're able to take just all that experience and just pull it together under a slightly different umbrella. And, you know, well, for the musicians that you bring together are doing songs and doing jingles different for them. I mean, they're, you're, I assume you're giving them musical arrangement lyrics and all that. Not that different not that different for them. You know, it's shorter and they're, they're used to doing songs down there. They do a lot of albums and all that sort of thing. So if I come in with a 30 second jingle or a 60 second jingle, you know, we get it done and the band will play it. I'll go, "Ah, do this and this. And they play it again and it's perfect. And they go, what is that it? (laughs) Don't, don't you have something else? (laughs) No, you're not. and you know that's a that's another group of people that I think of as kind of being to to the side of the the industry. And I know they're not. I mean, I, I know that they're in the middle of it. But when we think of musicians, when I think of musicians, it tends to be you know people in bands are touring, they're recording versus like mm-hmm. session musicians who right. you know th- that that's their full job, but they're not doing it in a way that most people see or most people think about. That's exactly right. And these session people are. The most, I mean, you're not going to hear guys like this at the Holiday Inn, you know, these are amazing. I, I don't have a superlative big enough for it. These people are so good and, you know, you can sit music in front of them of any genre and they're going to play it. They're going to play it great. And, and one of the things that they do, in fact, I encourage is they will put themselves into it. You know, so they will, you know, they will play things that you never thought of. 
and you go, Oh, that was, <laughs> that was pretty cool. Let's keep that, you know? And you know, when you have a band in the studio that is relaxed and they're, they're feeling good about the music and they're, they're, they're willing to, to put themselves into it, take some chances and stuff. You can have some amazing things happen. And it's the feeling of that is just joy. It's glorious. Well, for you, what, what were some of the the challenges that you faced? I mean, other than people's, you know, kind of negative thinking and, and mm-hmm. coming up with a mantra to keep going, what were some other challenges or learning as you really took on this completely different project? Well, one of the, one of the things that I remember is, you know, when I do a jing and I, I, I'm coming up to the recording session and I've got maybe a rhythm section and some brass or maybe strings or whatever. And I've got some singers lined up and, but we'll probably do the whole thing in a day and, and it'll be over, but I have a certain amount of anxiety coming up to that. I've got to make sure, you know, geez, I hope this works (laughs) the way it does in my head. And it's, it's a fair amount of work getting that all prepared. And as I came up to this, I was thinking to myself, you know, you're used to doing one 60 second piece of music and now you're doing 12 songs that are all full length songs. And so you can just do the arithmetic there. And I I began to realize that these, these coming days are going to be full. I mean, your, your head is so full of information. I can't imagine how many bits of information that millions of pieces of information that, that you have to keep in the forefront of your mind the whole time. And, you know, I I was exhausted after we did this, I was exhausted for weeks. (laughs) I think maybe I'm still, I think I'm still exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, in doing this, Terry, so you, you hired the session musician. So which parts of it are, 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 are you, did you sing? Did you play? Is it yeah, I played piano. I've been a piano player all my life. And you mentioned bands. I've played in bands all my life. I've played in rock bands. I've played in country bands. I've played in big swing bands. I've I've done I've performed all my life. I've played piano at resorts, all that sort of thing. So I play and sing. Been doing that my whole life. So that part wasn't different. So I I played piano with the band on all these things and I sang the lead of course on all the songs. And then I hired some background singers. I hired some brass people and some strings and other things. And we added that on top of the rhythm section. And then I work with a terrific engineer down there and he does all, he does all the mixing. I sit there and I, you know, I want to hear this harmony a little louder. I, I have some things like that, you know, but he knows all the technical stuff and he can get the thing really sounding right. And so, well, I guess two questions I was going to try and ask them as one. I still will and answer them as, as you will. But, you know, is there a specific genre the album is? And is there, you know, kind of a, a central theme to it? The, I, you know, I've been having a little bit of a problem because today there are so many genres and subgenres and everything else. I will, I will answer it this way. I'm a product of the 60s. I grew up with the Beatles and the stones and queen and the beach boys and those kinds of groups and i think at at my at the roots of what i do you'd probably hear the influences of all those people on here i i've been when i'm forced to to write it down and say what genre is i'm saying pop 
but I don't know if that's really quite right or not, but that's what I'm saying. Is there a central theme? I, not a central theme, but I wanted to write these songs. The album fits together. I think all the songs fit together in the sense that even though musically we cover a lot of ground, I wanted to take the listener on a little trip, a little adventure. So if you listen to the album start to finish, I think you're going to go through some ups and downs emotionally, and you're going to kind of go over here, then you're going to go over there, and we're going to look under this rock, and we're going to we're going to look over here. I I think you'll you'll find that you went on a little trip with me. And that was the idea. Well, in in t- I mean we're talking about as an album, and yet albums are not really albums anymore. You know they're. Mm-hmm just digital for the most part. Does that change anything for you? When you think about the release and, and I ask this because there are musicians out there who will just release a song on YouTube, see where it goes and Mm -hmm. go from there. And in fact, I know musicians who who make entire livings off of just one song at a time on YouTube, basically. Mm -hmm. In fact, they almost think of themselves more as content generators than musicians. They just happen to generate music as content. And on the other end of it, someone I know who wanted to do something special, didn't want this to be a Spotify thing where you only got pieces of it, wanted it to be a whole album. And so did all kinds of elaborate things like the CD comes in a little cloth bag and, you know, the the, the booklet is special and much more the way perhaps albums used to be with additional things in them. And yeah. Um, photos and lyrics and all that. So I, I guess the question I'm just kind of trying to get around to here, Terry, and sorry, is, you know, no. on that spectrum, there's so many ways mm-hmm. to release an album these days. How, how, how are you approaching it? How are you thinking well, about it? You know, it's a, it's a very valid question. And I thought about this a lot and I, I looked at what other people are doing and you're right. Most people are just putting out one song. That's it. And I decide in the end, I decided I wanted to do it this way. I'm going to put together this album the way I want to create an album. And it might not be what everybody else is doing. And in the end, I decided that's all right. I'm going to do what I'm going to do and they can, they can follow me. And, you know, (laughs) and in today, you know, a lot of people are listening to vinyl again. And I talked to a guy who was about my age just the other day. And I brought that up and he said, oh, that's all I buy. He said, I never buy CDs. I buy vinyl. I went, okay. Well, so to whatever degree that trend continues to grow, I believe there will be a trend back to listening to the entire album. It it is very different. I mean, you mentioned albums from the the 60s and I think of the 70s in particular, you know, there were a lot of albums that were designed to be heard start to finish. They had a, you know, mm-hmm. a, a flow to them, if not a story, at least a, a flow. And, you know, right. it, it built on each other and to break it apart. I mean, you could do it, but you you missed something in, in the mm-hmm. overall experience. Right. And I, I think that these songs stand on their own. So I think that's fine. If, you know, if, if one, one of these songs get gets picked out and it's on somebody's Spotify playlist. I'm fine with that. You know, I, and you know, they'll, they'll be fine on their own, but for me, it, it's kind of nice to hear them all in a row. The first, you know, I worked on this, this is almost a little bit embarrassing, but 
I worked on this for like two years, writing the songs, then arranging them, then getting the tell, you know, doing do the sessions and mixing and and then finally mastering. And that's a whole other topic that I won't get too deep into. But you know, when you get this file back from the mastering engineer, that's the first time you ever hear this as an album, that it's all the songs are exactly the way they're gonna be. They're timed the way they're gonna be timed on the album. And they're, they're kind of compressed so that every song is the same volume and all those kinds of things. So the thing is, it's really got the finishing touches and you can start it at the beginning and it plays the whole album. And it was only a couple of weeks ago that I heard it for the first time. And to tell you the truth, I cried. It got to the end of it and I cried. It was, it was you know, two years of constant stress and and work and joy, but, you know, just constant, you know, being involved in this and, and to finally hear it was, was amazing to me. Love it. You know, the, the creative endeavor in, in anything, it, it is such a tough journey to, to get through to the other side. In fact, I have something posted near, near my desk and I, I forget it, you know, it's basically the, the six steps to, to, creativity and you know the, like the first one is this is going to be awesome the second one's well this is harder than i thought the third one is you know this is crap the fourth one is i am crap the fifth one is hey maybe there's something here the sixth one is this is awesome <laughs> well i definitely experience all of those <laughs> especially the i am crap <laughs> yeah i mean you you, you hit that i'm gonna get a real composer to do this <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know that's just that that, that is the it seems to be the process for any creative journey there is you you lose that initial enthusiasm it gets hard you start questioning you start doubting it every step is so painful and takes so much the effort doubt monster that, yeah you know it so so much dies right there at, at the bottom and so i know you had your mantra around being a freight train but yeah you know, even freight trains run out of fuel. What kind of, how did, how did you keep going through those points? And because we're not talking about like you bang this out in a month, you mentioned this is, you know, two years of effort. Yeah. How did I keep going? Man, I just did. I just would not stop. I just kept going. And I did, you know, I'm real familiar. The the doubt monster and I are on very personal terms, but I think that I, I think at the, you know, at the bottom of it all, I think I'm a pretty confident person. And I think that through all my experience, I think I know what I'm doing basically. And the doubt monster can actually help you because it can challenge you. You know, are you, did, did you really need this piece right here? Did you have to, did that really accomplish what you wanted? Or was that just something that was cool at the time? And, you know, I, I remember reading a book by Henry Mancini. And he was pointing out that the best arrangers are the best editors. And he said, you know, when you've written your score, look at every note on there. And if you're looking at a note and you can't explain why that note exists there, get rid of it. And so it was kind of a brutal approach to it. And I've taken on a lot of that. You know, there are a lot of times where when you're writing it, you, you come up with something that's pretty cool, but later you realize, you know, this isn't really helping the song. This is just helping your ego. Cause you played a cool piano lick there, but 
it's kind of conflicting with the vocal and you know, something else needs to happen. So get rid of it. You got to be objective about it. You got to stand back and it takes, it takes a certain amount of fortitude to do that because you know, you don't want to do it, but you have to do it. And then you have, you know, you got to keep stripping it down till it's, till it's right. And you can't do that if you're not willing to look at yourself and look at your work and really challenge it and going, is this really right? Is this really, you know, one of the things I, I talk about with people sometimes is pretend you're putting on a stage play and every, you know, you've got actors in various parts of the stage, but you're running the spotlight. Now, where should the spotlight be? You know, where should the listener, in this case, where should the listener's attention be? So if it should be on the lead singer, you know, you don't want four trumpets blaring behind that. So get rid of all that. And if there's space between the vocal lines, maybe put your little lick in there, but, you know, get your arrangement cleaned up. And so I'm pretty brutal with myself about it. And I just keep doing battle with myself until it's right. And somehow when it's right, I, I know it. Well, certainly, you know, a lot of experience, especially having it things down to jingle length, I think. I suspect taught you a lot about editing and making sure there's nothing extra yeah, in there. Very much so. And I, I love the term doubt monster. Never heard that before. It is both <laughs> cute and evil at the same time, you know, because the doubt monster is kind of, you know, on one hand, it, it is often just us being silly. And on the other hand, it's probably has its origins in keeping us safe and, mm, right. and survival and somewhere in there happens. How do you deal with that or how, yeah, how, how do you battle the doubt monster or, or keep it so that it's helpful versus hurtful for you? Well, I know that I have to keep going. I mean, the show must go on, right? So, you know, I prepare, I think that's a lot of it getting really prepared before, you know, before I present this to somebody, before I go into the studio with an arrangement, all that sort of thing. I, I tend to be very, very well prepared. And, you know, if I'm, I, I want to have thought through everything to the point where if somebody challenges me on something, my, the first words out of my mouth are, yeah, I thought about that too. And here's how my thinking went and how it led to where we are now. And I find that when I do that, they kind of go, oh, okay. You know, I think they're, they're happy that you've, you've thought it through and uh, so that's the way I tend to, to deal with it. I battle the, the doubt monster. And I, I think in terms of doing battle, I, you know, I will tell people around me, I'm, I'm wrestling with the song right now. It's, it's fighting me real hard. You know, I can't quite get it to where I want it. And it's, it's so close, but I can't, I can't get it together. And, but eventually I will, cause I know I have to. And, and if I don't, I will come at it from a, you know, I'll just take what I'm doing, set it aside, go forget that. Come at this from a completely different direction because you're, it's not happening. And sometimes that it hurts to do that, but maybe it needs to be done. And so I'm, you know, you got to fight. You got to, you got to get in the ring and fight. Which, which brings us to a good question. How do you decide when to persevere and when it's time to just give up on, on an idea or set it aside for other things? I don't think there's any any solid answer to that. I think it's, it's a gut feeling. If you, 
you know, for me, if I've, if I've, what'll happen with me is I'll, is I'll, I'll start on something and, and it, when I start, I'll go, oh, this is going to be good. This is a good idea. And I'm all excited. I feel that spark, you know? And so then I'm working it and, but for some reason, I can't seem to finish it and, and I'll work it and work it and I'll wrestle with it and wrestle with it. And after a couple of days, if this thing hasn't come around, I don't know. I guess there's some little voice in my head that goes, this, you know, you're, you're beating a dead horse here. This isn't working. Put it down, throw it away, come at this from an entirely different direction. And the funny thing is, is when I do that and I'm reluctant to do it, but when I do, the new thing tends to come and it comes together pretty fast. Yeah, I, I, I've experienced similar things. I don't know if that's just the subconscious working on it and it already mm-hmm. has the solution or, or, or what it is, or just getting rid of that pressure frees you up to then suddenly be more creative. Now, you had provided me with, with a song, which I will include, and it's called Skimpy Bikinis and Vodka Martinis, yep. which, you know, rhymes very well, very catchy. So <laughs> I don't know, can, can you set the song up for us? Well, this is one of the songs that had kind of an odd beginning. Just <laughs> Some of these stories are kind of embarrassing, but I guess I'll just tell you anyway. It had started off as kind of a a dark sort of jealous kind of rant of a song and man, it was, it was garbage. And I, I kind of wrote part of this thing in this really foul mood. And, and I went, well, this is, <laughs> this is crap. And so I, I, I had written these, these words on a page and stuck them in a pile. Didn't even think about it for six months or a year. And one day I came down in the studio and, and I just, I was going to write a song that was in my mind. I'm like, I'm writing a song right now. And I don't usually do that, but that day I did. And I was in a pretty lighthearted mood and, and I went, you know, I want to write something that's just light and fun. And even if it's a little bit bubble gum or something like that, I just want something light and fun and kind of a little bit of a party. And so I was, uh, I, you know, I didn't really have any thoughts at that point, but I, I started going through these, these old pages of, of discarded lyrics. And I came across that one and, and I was like, oh yeah, this is really, this is really terrible. But I got to that, that line, you know, there were skimpy bikinis and vodka martinis. And I went, oh, but that line is actually really good. And so I put the paper aside, but I started singing about skimpy bikinis and vodka martinis had turned, you know, the song came flying out. And, you know, I said, I think it's just in terms of it's commercial, you know, I think, I think it is light and fun and kind of a little bit of a party song. So, you know, it, it turned out it's exactly the opposite of, of where it started. Funny how those things work out that way sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will in- include that song right here. Now for the, for the album, where will people be able to find it? They will be able to find it on iTunes, Amazon Music, anywhere you can buy. You know, if you want to buy physical copies, you'll be able to do that. You can go to my website, terrysweet.com, or the, the album itself is going to be called Listen to the Bars. And so I've got a website, listen to the bars.com. It's not up there yet, but it'll, I mean, the website's there, but the album isn't for sale there yet. 
will be in a couple of weeks. It'll be everywhere. You know, some of these digital distributors, CD Baby or TuneCore or DistroKid, some of these, these places that you can distribute these songs through, they put it everywhere. Uh, you know, for me, I couldn't put a tune up on iTunes just by myself because iTunes has all kinds of rules about that. But a distributor can can put it up there, and they do. So it'll be it'll be on Spotify, and where you can listen to music, it'll be there. So the you know the the interesting thing about podcasts is people might be listening to this in the, before it releases, same day. Mm -hmm years later, like, so, um, right. you know, depending on when people are hearing this, what date is the album set to drop? Well, this song, particularly July 15th, 2022. Now the thing that is not quite determined is, is the, is the entire album actually available, even though we're only promoting this first tune. And I suspect it will be that way. The whole album will probably be up on iTunes, even though we're just releasing this first song. So right. it'll, it'll be there. Excellent. Well, what haven't I asked you yet, Terry? We've, we've covered a lot of ground today. Anything else that we haven't? I don't think so. I, I hope that, you know, I hope people just become a freight train and do whatever it is they, they wanted to do. What did you want to do? Go do it and do it the way you wanted to do it. That's, I think, that's what people should do. Yeah, I think there's some good wisdom there. It's easy to look at what everyone else is doing and try and do it as well and miss out that we could probably do a better. Our, exactly. Our you know, self. you have, we each have our own voice and nobody else has our voice. And so we have the ability to whatever it is, to do whatever it is, put out there, whatever it is in a way that nobody else can do exactly what we do. And they're going to be, people that connect with that. Well, speaking of connecting with, so you mentioned uh, there's the website, uh, listen to bars.com. There's your website, terrysweet.com. Anywhere else people can find you or you'd recommend connecting with you. No, I think those are the, the basic ways. You know, if you go to my website, you know, you can find me. And so you could connect with me there. You could send me an email, terry at terrysweet.com. That's another way to do it. Great. So yeah, I'm here. Excellent. Well, Terry, it has been fantastic having you on today. I'm looking forward to seeing the album come out and, you know, just, I, I'm actually more excited. I, I love talking to people who have done this kind of, uh, I'm going to take on a new challenge and yeah. tr try something different. And, and you did it in a way that I really appreciated being able to leverage all the skills and experience you already had, but channeling them in a different new and unique way for you. Right. Right. That's cool. I appreciate you having me on here. This is this has been a lot of fun talking about this with you. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Great conversation with Terry. Really get excited about people taking on new challenges uh, later in life. And well, actually, I get excited about people taking on new challenges. And so I did promise I would include Terry's song, Skimpy Bikinis and Vodka Martinis. So here it is. Love to hear what you think about it. by the ocean where the music flows from inside they have a beat that's gonna grab you when they throw their doors open wide from here to the corner ravishing beauty sway to the beat of the song 